Hey guys, and welcome to the Grove Podcast. This is Kara Daiba, and I'm on the Grove team here at Passion City Church in Atlanta. Before we hop into today's episode, we want to remind all of you about thegroveonline.com. This is our website that's easy to remember, it's easy to find, and this is where we're going to be streaming live on April 26th for our next Grove Gathering. You're invited because you can watch from anywhere with anyone, and so in true Grove fashion, I can't tell you what's going to happen on that night, but I can guarantee that you're not going to want to miss it. So... Get your girls together, host a watch party. Just make sure you're tuning in at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on April 26th. Another exciting thing coming to our website in May is the application process for our Flourish mentoring journey. This year is super exciting because we're opening up applications for the first time to all women of the Grove. So again, you're invited on this journey with us. This is a big step for our family at Passion City Church and as the Grove, as we believe God wants to honor this invitation for women everywhere to step into intentional, scripture-based mentoring relationships. So just remember, our Flourish mentoring journey, our Grove gatherings, our social media, all of this and more you can find today at thegroveonline.com. Okay, so today on the Grove podcast, we have a beautiful conversation between Shelly Giglio and Lisa Bevere. You guys might already know Lisa as an amazing author and speaker. She's an incredible wife, mother, a grandmother, and friend to the Grove. And today she and Shelly are talking about identity, the value of investing in others, and how important it is to protect your time in the presence of God. So we know you'll be encouraged as we all listen in to Shelly Giglio and Lisa Bevere. So Lisa, talk about just a little bit about what is in your heart in these days. It feels like you are such a mentor to so many people, but you're also just a great mom, a great grandmom. You're just a special person overall. And I would love to just hear what you're thinking in these days. We've been through a hard year. We've been through a difficult season, but yet God has been doing something miraculous all along. So what are you seeing as you walk through these days? You know, I feel like in many ways, as horrible as COVID is, as, you know, with a pandemic and loss and isolation, I felt, Shelley, like it was a reset for me. Yeah. I felt like it was a chance to say, all right, let's make the main thing the main thing. And I What do you think you have gotten out of order? Well, okay, I'll tell you a little bit of a story. This is uh, something that happened. I want to say it was either in late 2018 or early 2019. I had such a sense of the Holy Spirit challenging me. He said, you know, when you stand before me, I'm not going to ask you if you went to all the conferences mm. that you were invited to. I'm going to ask you what you did with my entrustment on your life. And Shelly, you know, of course, you know, when God says something like that, really, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that was going to be the conversation. And mm. he said, I actually was kind of the layers in my brain at the time. And I said, well, all I have is 35 minutes. And he said, when did those 35 minutes become yours? And he said, it's time for you to go from stage to sage. 
And I saw the T from the word stage drop down and become a table. And in that moment, Shelly, I started crying. I said, I don't wow. know how to slow down my life. Yeah. And for me, it became this idea of turning 60 and saying, this is my season to mark some pathways and impart some things, lessons I've learned by being ridiculous the hard way, right. lessons I've learned by doing things right by accident, like, oh, wow, that was the correct path. Exactly. And I just don't want the next generation to have to learn the things I learned the hard way, the hard way. Right. And this disconnect is massive. We have older women who think the younger women don't want anything from them. And then we have younger women who think the older women can't be bothered. And this gap between the generations is leaving both both groups of people at risk. We are at risk of losing the treasury and the wisdom and the hard-won battles of an older generation and at risk of losing the questions and, and the challenges of the younger generation if these conversations and connections don't happen. Yeah, I feel like Scripture is so clear about what it says about older women. I mean, we always yeah. refer to Titus too, but it's so clear. It says, older women teach what is good. So right. I'm like, it, that doesn't feel optional to me. It doesn't feel like, yeah, well, it, you know what? I'm really kind of busy, or I really don't have time for that, or I really don't really want to, or what would I say? I hear so many older women say, what would I say? I don't have anything to say. And experience gives us so much um, a wealth of understanding and like you said, it's not always done right. It's not always done perfectly, but we have walked through it. And there's something about walking through it that gives someone behind us an opportunity to learn from it. And it doesn't feel like it's, to me, like something we can choose to do or don't, if we don't feel like it or don't have time for it, it's not important. It feels like it's a mandate. I agree. And, and you know, it's so clear. One of the other versions that says the older woman must. It doesn't say if, again, if there's like an imperative, yes. must teach and train. You know, and I have talked to a, a lot of older women who feel intimidated. Yeah. I don't have anything to and offer. And it is intimidating. Well, they're not wrong. It is intimidating. No, 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 <laughs> you know, no, they're, they're not they're wrong not. to feel that way. But you no. have to, at some point, I think obedience has to overtake your feelings. Well, and I also think that you find out if it's not the, this is the 12-week Bible study of how to be an older woman pouring into the younger women. It's actually, it's just actually messy. It's actually just inviting yeah. someone into your world and saying, okay, how can I help you? You know, and I think that is the scary question. Like, I think a lot of us are comfortable saying, this is how I'm willing to help you. Right. But when you ask the question, what do you need from me? How can I serve you? What what crazy thing or what beautiful thing or what challenging thing in my life can bless yours? And, you know, I do think a lot of the younger women kind of come into that season like we all did. I, you know, I remember thinking, I know everything. I mean, I, I, when I was 25, <laughs> I was like, I got Pretty this. much an expert at that point. <laughs> yeah. And then I had my first child and I realized, wait a minute, I don't know what I'm doing. All I know hmm. is what I don't want to do. And knowing what you don't want to do is not enough to build what you do want to do. And I found myself, all of a sudden, I was a mother of three sons in five years. My husband quit his job. You know, all of a sudden, we are 
on the road in a Honda Civic. It's crazy. It's wild. It's messy. It's dirty. Everything that I didn't like, it became. And I remember crying out to God and saying, I need an older woman. Why are they not pouring into me? And, you know, telling God, okay, this needs to happen. I need help. And eight years into my marriage, Shelly, I remember being alone in a very dirty, scary motel room on my knees, crying mm. out to God because my husband had tricked me into doing a women's meeting. And I was like, I don't even like women. I've first said, <laughs> I, I told Again, another thing really... that we've got to work through, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, are you joking? And I said, you haven't ever sent me the woman. You haven't sent me the woman. And he said, be the woman you wish you'd have. Yeah. I think we both have that experience because I prayed for women to to teach me. You know, being in ministry when you're young is very confusing. And there's so many presuppositions about what you should be and how you should behave and what you should wear and and what you should be involved in. And I I didn't know the rules. And I kept saying to God, if you'll just send me somebody that knows the rules, that can teach me what the rules are, then I'll try to keep them. But I could never figure out exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And I think in that freedom of not knowing, God was delivering something new. But at the time, I I didn't know that's what He was doing. And I really just wanted someone to help me. Yeah, just help me. Tell me. Um, But I think sometimes in that gap, um, and sometimes the reason somebody doesn't show up immediately in our lives is that God wants us to be more desperate for Him then he does us want to be desperate for the answer. Right. And when God does a new thing, it requires new ways. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have had that incredible privilege and challenge of being kind of in a transitional season of women who lead but love their husbands. Yeah. You know, women who lead and, you know, are making ways for other women. And, you know, for me, it was all about, saying to God, all right, I'll be what I never had. I'll pour out what was never poured in. I'll I'll be that person that stands in the gap between the younger women and the older women. And now, Shelly, I'm, I'm telling you, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that went by really fast. Now I'm an older woman. Now I'm 60. Yeah. Now I'm looking over my shoulder at the, the women that are in the middle age and the, the beautiful young girls. And you know what's shocking is who reads my books are 24 to 35, which when I found that out, I just dropped my head and started to cry because I thought they're me. They're me when I was looking for a mother. Yeah. And what do I want to leave as a legacy for them? Yeah. You talk a lot about, um, and the things that you write that you see the younger generation with the desire to be difference makers, but you also see them fearful that they won't do it right or that they'll make a mistake. And obviously, we all know mistakes these days are very public things, <laughs> right? So any, exactly. anything that you do that's a misstep is going to be reported uh, quickly and fully. Um, so yeah. I think that's that is a that makes a younger women full of fear that they won't really do it right. And so they're kind of afraid to do anything at all. What What do you say to that? You know, I I love that you brought this up. First of all, the only way you miss God is by doing nothing. I mean, I would rather yeah. have a mistake and a misstep. And it's actually, it's, it's, it is tragic that we're playing to an audience while we're making mistakes. But I would almost 
say to the younger generation, be really careful who you share things with. I mean, there's a reason why Mary pondered things in her heart. Hey, I'm going to have a virgin birth. Wow, that's crazy. You know, she just ran to a mother. And I know, Shelly, you have been a mother to the women in your world. And, and, and I know that you and I both don't want to see them make mistakes, but sometimes making mistakes is part of the process. Yeah. And so what we do is missteps and mistakes are actually their tuition. They're like, okay, that, that didn't work. And I think too many young girls are thinking that they're going to miss God, so they freeze. And the truth is, God is a really big target. Yeah. And the only way we totally miss him is if we never aim, never step, never reach out, never take a risk. And, and I do think we all need to understand that we are not after being popular. We do not, we're never going to be servants of God when we are trying to be servants of the fear of man. Yeah. You know, like when we're living That's in it. that constant tension of what will they say if I actually say that Jesus is the truth? Oh my gosh, am I going to be canceled? That I'm not saying everybody can have their own truth. We have to, we have to say, I'm going to have convictions that are grounded in the word of God, yes, not amen. in cultural opinions. That's it. And I, I do think too many people are wrapped up in, in not really as truly the fear of missing God, but the fear of also displeasing people. And, you know, I don't know how in this day and age we can do both. Yeah. I really don't. If we're going to either please God and displease people or disappoint people. And when God, and this is the one thing you and I both have talked about how much we love uh, Gen Z's and millennials is because they do have that sense that God has his hand on their life for something extraordinary, something new, but they are so busy distracted looking at what everybody else is doing that they don't have this time in the presence of God to listen. I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of watching you and Louie transition from something that was already pioneering. Oh, let's just travel and talk about the wonder and the glory and the awe of God. Let's just see if other people might want to hear about that. To, oh my gosh, let's plant a church yeah. in Atlanta yeah. where there's already a bazillion churches, but there's something new that God wants to do. Are we crazy? No, you're obedient. And, and God is doing a new thing. And so I think a lot of times, Millennials and Gen Zs don't know what they're called to do because they're called to do something that has never been done before. That's so beautiful. And that gets birthed in the presence of God. There's a pioneering that God wants to do. And I feel like COVID was a time for God to say, I'm going to bring sacred spaces to intimate places. Let's get your family life in order. Let's get your marriage in order. Let's have those hard conversations that we avoided having because we were busy. Let's answer questions that God has been probing our heart. I felt like it was a time to deal with idols. And so, you know, for me, Shelly, you know, I'll just say I got trapped on a ministry treadmill. That's nobody's fault but me. I think there are a lot of women who feel that right now. Yeah. And so COVID was a great pause. And, you know, John and I did crazy, crazy things during that season, you know, of COVID that we could not have done when we were just on a treadmill. And again, we put ourselves on that. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming churches. I'm not blaming 
But I will say, I feel like is God is saying, I'm going to take you out into the wilderness filled with my Holy Spirit, and you're going to learn to live by my word. And then you're going to come out in the power thereof. And, you know, a lot of people have not dove into the word. They've just been arguing. They've just been canceling people. They've just been contending with man. But you and I have learned that we don't live by bread. We don't live by what we can make and bake. We live by the word of God. And so I want a generation to understand what that looks like to live by it, not to make a living off the word of God, but to live by the word of God. And I just think there's this beautiful deconstruction of certain things, but it's never to remove. It's always to renovate and rebuild. That's so beautiful, Lisa. You say it so well. Uh, One of the things you mentioned in that conversation you were just having was just about the comparison, really the, Mm -hmm. the trap that um, we get into of looking left and right instead of straight ahead at what God has called us to. And one of the things you mentioned about even this season in your life was just the space to reevaluate your stewardship, not someone Mm -hmm. else's stewardship, not what God had handed them, what God had handed you. So talk for a second about how that helps cure some of our comparison. Well, first and foremost, I am not who I am in the presence of people. I am not who I am in Instagram. I am not who I am on the platform. I am who I am in the presence of God. Yes. And in the presence of God, there's identity. And in the presence of people, there's roles. So like there's the role of wife. There's the role of minister. There's the role of mother. Those are roles. But if I try to fulfill my roles without first having a God-imprinted identity of daughter, I'm going to always operate in comparison, confusion, competition, because I don't know who I really am. And if we don't know who we really are, it's almost impossible to know what we are really called to do. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. And we keep setting ourselves up with that day after day after day after day. We haven't heard God say anything about us, but we want to try to figure out then what we're supposed to do. And it's impossible to do it that way. Yes. So yes, yes you're absolutely. right. The presence of God, the the time that we spend in the presence of God, just the, um, sometimes I think even when you're on a ministry treadmill mill that you mentioned earlier, that you can spend time in the presence of God so that you can get something from God so that you can deliver something to people. And I think where the transformation happens is when you're just with God. You're in His Word and you're with Him for the purpose of being with Him but not for any other purpose than that. And that begins to transform our lives. If if you have young kids like you did, where you really needed someone to show up and, and help you, but you didn't really have a lot of that, where did you find time to be in the presence of God, Lisa? How did you okay, let so- the Word of God <laughs> impact you? I need to know. Yes. So my boys, my boys describe it in a very humorous way. I love it. They say they, say they just remember me singing a lot. You know, I just so would turn great. on worship music in the very beginning. And I let myself ponder the things that I needed in that moment. Yeah. I, I remember I would lay in bed and say, God, put a watch over my mouth. Let me be quick to listen, slow to wrath, 
slow to speak. God, you know, I, I have a heart of vipers right now, God, I need to mm-hmm. just have you, you know, just, I'm just going to immerse myself in the presence. They also remember me on my face a lot. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I was saying, God, I don't want to beat my children. God, yes. please, I want, or save I want me, to be a save me mother. from this yeah, hour, please. Me. Yes. Abs- I mean, save me from the things that are ridiculous. But one of the things that I did have, Shelly, is I didn't have strangers in my world. Like I didn't have to take pictures of my messy house and put it on Instagram. Yeah, I, I didn't have people observing me with a critical eye. I I had space. And one of the things I had to do was, because I remember crying out and saying, God, I need a greater hunger for you. Give me your, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for the things of you. And, and okay. And this may surprise you. And he may have talked to you very differently if you had that same prayer. But what he said to me was, Lisa, if you are not hungry for my word, it's because you have chosen to fill your life with other things. Hmm. And he said, in a nation of abundance of distraction, abundance of things, abundance of sounds, abundance of just everything that would pull you out of my presence, you're going to have to fast. And, you know, I was a breastfeeding mother. I, I didn't have the time to fast food, but I did put down the magazines, turn off the television not answer my phone. You know, I, I just let it go to answering machine. And I said, I am going to steward a hunger for the things of God. I'm going to pull away those things. I'm going to stop going to the refrigerator when I need to go to my knees. I'm going to stop going to a friend to talk when I need to go to the word. I'm going to read the word of God until it begins to read me. And I think too many people, they retweet but they don't ever read. That's so they, good. They repost. Yeah. And it's what you were saying earlier, reading the word to get something, to give something. When God is just saying, I want you to sit with me. Yes. It's such a game changer. I feel like um, part of what you're talking about is that the distractions were different kinds of distractions when we were younger, yes. but there were distractions. Yes. There were obviously yes. distractions, and it was easy to absorb your life in those distractions and to be that be an excuse for why you didn't really know God, why you didn't really understand His Word. Well, it's the same today. The distractions are just different. But the fact that we lean toward distractions rather than the Word of God is the same. <laughs> and the results right. are the same in that we will not become the people of God without being in His presence, in His Word, absorbing Him relationally, and He with us. And everybody wants the outcome, but they don't want to invest the time. So it just feels like we're in a trap situation. Talk for a second about this generation. We, You and I have talked about this quite a bit, but I feel like this generation is really obsessed with their wounds. There's a lot of yeah. women walking around talking about yes. the difficult places in their life and the hurts that have been inflicted on them, and which realistically so. We have, we have yeah. definitely encountered some wounds in our life. Um, but I feel like there's an opportunity for the people who know Jesus, who have had realistic big-time wounds, to talk more about the healing than they do about the wound. What do you think about that process in this generation to come? Yeah, and I can only share my story and how Jesus met me. And, you know, I'd had— um, 
I think I had just had my third son. I found myself in a, you know, my husband's traveling full time, you know, back then it was like, like a boasting, bragging rights. Hey, I was only home three days with my family because I'm a preacher. Well, for me, that put me into a place of depression. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've got three kids. And can I also say poor, we were poor. We were poor. I mean, we were pioneering. uh, and, And I remember I began to, to have those, those things that maybe I hadn't dealt with come up in front of my life. You know, I had lost an eye to cancer when I was five. I was raised by a mother who had borderline personality disorder. I had an alcoholic father Mm -hmm. and I started to see these fears coming up in my life. And I started to cry out, God, set me free, set me free, set me free. I I need you to set me free. I, I don't, you know, and I, the pain and the problems were the most prominent in my life. Yeah. Like I saw all the limitations and, and this is, this is this moment where I was crying out to God in all sincerity, God, I need you to set me free. Mm. And I had such a sense of the Holy spirit asking me, what have I left undone? I gave the life of my son completely, Lisa, that you might be completely free. Mm. And what was done to you is not as overarching or as powerful as what was done for you. So we all can, like I had this resume of all the reasons for why I should be dysfunctional and grab a hold of my pains and blame people. And God was like, you can live there, but you will never find freedom there. And I do think that it is easier to sit in the wounding of our past and the blaming and the finger pointing, but there comes a moment where you and I have a revelation of what Jesus did was enough. It doesn't mean that some of us won't walk with a limp for the rest of our yeah, life, right? but it, it does mean that what he did was more than enough, even though I am not enough, even though other people are not enough, even though it was wrong that my, you know, my, my crazy uh, family life was so dysfunctional, yeah, of course. but God, But God and every person has to make that decision. Was what Jesus did on the cross enough, not just to save us that when we go to, you know, we die, we go to heaven, but was it enough to transform us, to renew our mind, to put us on a path towards freedom? One of my favorite scriptures is the path of the righteous is as the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter. Yeah. So I just I do think that we can focus on the pain and we can focus on the problem but I find that what I focus on is where I go and I want to focus on what Jesus did for me rather than what people did to me. That's so good Lisa. I feel like that's just setting some people free. Just hearing that truth is going to set some people free and on a new course to the freedom that you're describing. Um, last question, because I know I know John, and I think he's so precious, and I love your marriage. I think you've been married, what, 38 years or something? So it's so amazing. It'll be th- yeah, 39 years this October, which is crazy. Congratulations. <laughs> That's such a big <laughs> Thank deal. Thank you. One of the things that you talk about as it relates to marriage, and uh, we see people all the time quoting on Instagram if we post a picture of our marriage saying, power couple, power couple, yeah. hashtag power couple. And I think that's actually true. But one of the things you say about marriage so profoundly is that marriage was actually designed to make us holy rather than to make us happy. 
Yes. Can and I you think just I unpack probably, that for one second? Because that is profound. Yeah. So I actually was probably quoting somebody else in that, but I, I, I heard that somewhere. And then I found out later, this uh, John is my iron that sharpens my iron. Yeah. And power couples often become power couples through power struggles. I mean, there yeah. is a, there is a wrestling, there is a commitment there's been moments in my marriage where I loved my husband and did not like him. And so we have to become experts in one another's uh, strengths rather than, you know, enemies by pointing out one another's weaknesses. And so holy is consecrated. Holy isn't just about, listen, you're in my life to meet my needs. Holy is about, there is something other, otherness in our marriage. There is something higher than my happiness, your happiness. There is something that God wants to do. And I, you know, I, there's, there's a scripture that I love in Malachi and I'm one of those people that I can quote it, but I can't, I can't tell you where it is, but it talks about that God wants children of God out of marriage. And, you know, you and I both know that that's not talking about reproduction. It's talking about marriage has this opportunity to refine you and make you more of a child of God through breaking, through getting rid of selfishness, through serving. And then then it goes on to say, and so don't cheat on your spouse. And we immediately think of adultery, but you know what? I can cheat my husband by taking victories away, by being a competitor instead of a co-laborer, by by being somebody that is not committed to growth. And so, you know, John and I have learned a victory for him is actually a victory for me. Yes, And a victory it. for me is a victory for him. And a victory for our children is a victory for both of us. Yes. So we are not going to cheat or rob one another from growth, from the time. Like, we're not going to be like, hey, it's all about me. I want John in the presence of God. You know, I, I remember Shelly and you probably had this, but I think you're, I think, I just feel like you're more well-behaved than I am. Oh, I, just I don't remember, know about that. <laughs> well, I just remember God saying, Lisa, John is not your source of joy. Hmm. Your children are not your source of joy. And it confused me because I thought, surely you want me to enjoy them. And he said, enjoying them is different than having them as your source so of joy. So good, yes. If, you're, if, if Jesus is my source of joy, I can enjoy my husband. Yeah. If my husband is my source of joy, we're going to have problems because yeah, I'm going to put way too much on him. Yeah, and just you'll deplete him completely trying to get all of that need met. I think so many Absolutely. of us spend so much time trying to get our needs met from the people that are around us, and we're just exhausting them in the process because they can never meet a need that God was designed to meet in us. And, yeah, and you that know, doesn't if, make them a failure. Yeah, if I make my husband the the point of the story, or the whole point is that I'm married to him, then I begin to drain what God has created to be good because I'm trying to get what I need from it. And I think God is the only source who can provi- provide our needs. And when He does that, then we become an overflow in our marriage. We become an overflow as parents. We become an overflow as ministers of the gospel, and not because. We need that to make us okay. So what a great word. Incredible. Well, I always come away richer from time with you. And, you know, Shelly, I want to thank you for, you could have just, you could have just said, you know what? 
Louis is like John Bevere. They are bigger than life. Mm. Let, let me just stay home with my dog and just be happy, be happy with my dog. But you took the risk of opening up your world without having somebody pour into you. You said, I'm just going to pour out, mm. you know, with, and I love you for it. And I just have had the honor and the privilege of knowing you uh, up close and personal, but watching how you have always responded with kindness and wisdom. You measure your words so well because you are so aware that people are watching your life as an example for Jesus Christ. And and I just, I love you, Shelly. Thank I'm, you. I love I you, am, I'm the crazy out of control version of of a, a godmother. A beautiful and you version. Are the- <laughs> you are <laughs> oh, a beautiful version and inspire us all so greatly. You know, scripture says well, in Proverbs, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I believe today, just as you've poured out to us, that God is enhancing in your spirit refreshment that He's giving back oh, to you, you. And He will then use that to encourage you to continue to give. So that's our prayer for you today. And so grateful for you. you. I love you and I love our friendship. And I can't wait to see you next time. Well, I know you were encouraged by that friendship on display. Thank you so much to Shelly and to Lisa for the wisdom shared with us today. And thank you for listening. If you're new to Lisa's work, be sure to check out lisabevere.com to learn more about her speaking, her writing, and all the ministry that Lisa carries. You can always visit thegroveonline.com to learn more about The Grove, our gatherings, and our Flourish mentoring journey. We love you guys, and we can't wait to see you next time here on The Grove Podcast.